You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, let's fire it up. Let's get it going. Welcome in to another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. As we move to another weekend, preview a big set of games around the world of FCS college football all across the country. This has a weekend of sorts where contenders are continuing to distance themselves and there are some programs on life support as far as their FCS playoff future is concerned and they've got some tough challenges ahead this weekend where things could end, their season could flatline, or they could be given a dose of adrenaline and all of a sudden you see the life in them and the momentum needed pushing forward to get them back into a playoff picture and build some confidence and build some momentum for the second half, second part of the 2021 fall FCS college football season. Fired up to be here, and as we mentioned, uh, some contests that we uh, can't wait to get into and talk about here today on the FCS Fever Podcast. There's also some fun matchups out east as well in the NEC, in the Ivy League that have some postseason ramifications. What about some news from the HBCUs potentially getting back into the college football uh, playoff picture in the FCS? The FCS playoff picture heard from Coach Prime earlier in the week at Jackson State. Florida A&M, FAMU, thinking about if they can't be a part of the Celebration Bowl, if they're 9-2, and two, would they be worthy of an at-large bid into the FCS playoff picture? Haven't seen an at-large bid from the HBCU since North Carolina Central in 2016. So, a lot of chatter, a lot of discussion. It makes the uh, playoff picture even more interesting because the bracket is just that. It's an interesting one. It's not your traditional form or traditional fashion kind of bracket. There are a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces to it uh, in a big-time way. There's no question about it. But once again realignment is in the picture. And part of me wonders talking about it as I put it on the screen and put it in your ear right now. By the time that you get to this, will we have something different? But we're going to give it a shot. We're going to give it a chance, and uh, and away we go. Well, the trickle-down effect has really affected Conference USA in a big-time way. On Thursday morning, Mike Oresco and the American made the announcement that they have plucked six schools from Conference USA to join the American Athletic Conference to try and bolster their 
a brand and profile with the losses of some of their higher profile programs moving on to the Big 12. That leaves Conference USA in sort of a wobbly situation. Their instability, their unstableness right now, and also the possibility of the Sun Belt going out and picking off a couple more of their league members really puts some concern into the future of Conference USA. What does it have to do with the FCS, you ask? Well, we've talked about realignment before many a time, and James Madison is the program that is right smack dab in the crosshairs in this conversation. I guess it's somewhat ironical that an FCS school actually has a choice of conferences of if if they want to go the FBS, uh, of which one they would join. That's right. It feels like James Madison has that choice, whether it's the Sun Belt, whether it is Conference USA. It feels like JMU is a target of both of those leagues. That's a pretty good position to be in overall. It feels like James Madison wants to go. Do they have the backing behind the scenes by the donors? Financially, are they fit for this move coming out of uh, the pandemic, out of COVID-19? Football, obviously, is a no-brainer. They've got excellent programs across the board that can certainly compete. James Madison softball made it to the Women's College World Series and was a darling in Oklahoma City in the Women's College World Series this past summer as well. So from a competitive standpoint, there's no doubt it's the other things behind the scenes. How do you align? How do your fans get into it? And will it ultimately be the right league to be in a decade or so down the line? It's hard to tell. Uh, Talking with uh, others around the FCS, it feels like James Madison is more so aligned with moving up than they are staying put and remaining a part of the CAA. After the pandemic last year and how the CAA shut things down early, I think that rubbed JMU and their leaders and coaches the wrong way. They wanted to play in the fall. They wanted to keep going. They wanted to find a way to get it done. Uh, That thing was shut down. The CAA was one of the first links to shut things down uh, last uh, summer, in the summer of 2020, I should say. So that was something that may have pushed JMU to a certain degree over the edge. James Madison feels like it aligns closely, more closely, with Old Dominion, with Marshall, with Liberty, App State, Coastal Carolina, than they do with Elon, with Villanova, with Stony Brook, with other members of the CAA. That's just the the vibe you get. That's sort of what you hear. The AD of JMU, Jeff Bourne, uh, was talking with the media at, of all places, a Hoops Media Day on Thursday and towards the end, made a comment about rivalries, geography, and most like programs, most aligned programs. If you try and read between the lines and, and try and you know do a little bit of lip reading there, it feels like he was talking about how James Madison, from a football standpoint, they view themselves as FBS. They have the budget of other group of five programs out there. This thing's going to happen sooner rather than later in my mind. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I wouldn't be shocked, even through the weekend, if we see something on the news uh, of James Madison getting an invite, whether it's to Conference USA or it's the Sun Belt. It sounds like James Madison has their pick. If you're asking me, and I'm not the AD at James Madison, but I'll give you my two cents anyway, I feel like the Sun Belt is going to come out of this whole realignment thing smelling like roses. If I'm James Madison, the Sun Belt is where I want to go. 
and I would love to bring Marshall and Old Dominion with me. Could you get Liberty in there? I don't know how much the Sun Belt wants to expand. They've talked to Southern Miss, apparently. Marshall's been mentioned. But if I'm JMU and I can figure out some way or I'm the same conference as a Marshall, as an Old Dominion uh, with that crew, maybe a Liberty as well, and you're back with Old FCS Powers, App State, and Coastal Carolina, who now has found themselves in the top 20 before getting knocked off by App State on Wednesday night. That's where I would go if you're asking me. Let the games begin. Let's see how everything lays out here over the next few days and next few weeks with the next bout of conference realignment. Well, as we mentioned, there are a lot of big games around the country in FCS college football this weekend where there are some teams out there on life support and are trying to keep their seasons moving in the right direction. Northern Iowa is one of those teams, we feel like, and they are at South Dakota State this weekend in a matchup in Brookings where there's been some some back and forth over the years between the Panthers and the Jackrabbits at Dykow Stadium. And we're joined by Tyler Merriam, play-by-play man at South Dakota State. Always good, my friend. I appreciate you taking some time and joining us uh, on the pod here today. Um, this has been a unique kind of kind of series back and forth, and uh, you've seen success, obviously, against Northern Iowa, and sometimes they've been able to catch the Jacks at sort of uh, a weird time in the calendar, weird time in the year. It's been kind of a, a back-and-forth affair, it feels like, over the last four or five seasons or so. No question about it. The fact that five of the last ten meetings have been decided by four points or less. And you look back at some of these meetings, and they have played such a significant role in how the seasons turned out. Uh, eight years ago, SDSU beats UNI on Hobo Day in double overtime to avoid falling to four and five. That win sparks a run of four straight wins and gets the Jacks in the playoffs. The following year, UNI snaps a three-game losing skid, beating SDSU 10-7, to and UNI wins seven in a row, and that win started a run that got them in the playoffs, sent them all the way to the quarterfinals. Uh, UNI beat SDSU here in Brookings in the playoffs two years ago, the only road team to ever defeat SDSU in Brookings in an FCS playoff game. Uh, SDSU won its first Missouri Valley Football Conference championship, beating UNI in Cedar Falls a few years ago. So not only has this become an excellent rivalry and two teams that obviously have perennially been near the top of the FCS, but these games have have really proven to mean so much in retrospect as well as what they mean in the moment. So there's a ton on the line on Saturday. You mentioned you and I is kind of like that caged tiger kind of backed up against the wall where it's desperate. And South Dakota State, you know, if the Jackrabbits are to achieve everything that they want to, uh, they've got some tough ones coming up. They can ill afford to let a home game slip away. Now, before we dive into the football side of this, there's a, you know, there's a little bit of an online platform here, so maybe a chance for more national following that, that don't know uh, Hobo Days or what <laughs> homecoming is all about, Tyler. So I think that maybe is the most interesting part of this right now. It's homecoming at SDSU this weekend. They call it Hobo Days. Give everyone a background on what's going on in Brookings this weekend. Well, first off, not to be snobby, Jeff, but it is Hobo Day or Hobo Week. It's not actually Hobo Days. Okay, I got you. Just to clarify that, you know, not trying to be that guy, but that is indeed the case. You bet. So it it stems from over 100 years ago of people in Brookings trying to rally behind a football team in 1908 that wasn't very good. And so they decided to meet the football team coming back from its road game at the train depot when it, when it got off the stop. And they decided to be bums. 
And from there, it became that the people of Brookings would feed the bums. And so you could go around and get cauldrons and put whatever into it, and it became hobo stew. So whatever people in Brookings had to, to throw into this cauldron or this mix of, of meat and, and whatnot, it became hobo stew, so a big mixture of things. And, and kids would bum a meal, if you will. And so hobo day, bums. And with that, there became a no-shave club where for one month, Everybody, males, females, were not permitted to shave any part of their body if they were a student at SDSU or they had to, to, to pay a penance, essentially. So it started way over 100 years ago, Hobo Day, uh, Weary Will, and uh, uh, whatnot. Weary Will is the, the male mascot, if you will, of the homecoming tradition, and so it's very unique to South Dakota State. And the football team embodies that. John Sigelmeyer, the head coach, is a 1979 SDSU graduate, and he rallies behind it. He explains this to the team. And the team is not allowed to shave for one month going up to Hobo Day. So until the game is over on Saturday, the entire team has a month of growth on their face. And there's even been some years where offensive linemen have decided we're going to keep this tradition. They don't shave the rest of the year. I don't think that will happen this year. And really, thank goodness for that. No question about it. I'd love to see some of the pictures back in the day of uh... – <laughs> The student body, male and and yeah, female, know. who have not uh, decided to shave uh, for a month. That uh, that would be one for the yearbooks, I suppose. Literally. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, you mentioned it. UNI has uh, hit a rough patch here. They have lost a couple in a row to NDSU and to USD. Now they come to Brookings and feels like a must-win game for them, Tyler. As you dig into Northern Iowa and just the matchup overall. Walk me through where they've struggled the last couple of games and then the matchup with the two teams and their skill sets on the field. Well, I think what's fascinating is when you look at you and I look at the big picture. Okay, what what is college and pro sports more than anything? It's a copycat league, right? So if teams have success with a three-man front, then everybody plays a three-man front or everybody plays a four-man front. When North Dakota State started this run of national championships, one thing NDSU did an unbelievable job of was building depth on its defensive line and running out eight, nine, ten guys on the D-line. So it was very hard to wear down the North Dakota State defensive line. But other teams, and South Dakota State included, would get worn down with its starting units. So maybe the starting units were similar, but NDSU had a huge advantage in depth both on the roster and in the game when things got going. So you started to see more and more teams in the Valley develop depth and play eight, nine, ten guys and try to play as many guys as possible on defense to keep people fresh to develop depth. Northern Iowa is the last bastion holding on to the other side of this. You and I plays its starters, and unless somebody gets hurt, that's it. I mean, you and I is not playing very many guys beyond its starting 11. And so what I think we've seen in both the North Dakota State game, which you, of course, witnessed two weeks ago, and last week against USV, significant drives in the second half where the opposing offense just ran the football and you and I wore down a little bit. And I do think that's a big factor in this. They've had some injuries, too, which certainly haven't helped, but that also speaks to that depth that we've talked about. So I think that's one area that you and I really has displayed something that other schools in the league don't. Now, that starting unit went healthy. They have a lot of athletes. They have the Missouri Valley Defensive Player of the Year and Jared Brinkman up front. Uh, but the combination of health and lack of depth has really hurt them defensively, but as you know, from an offensive standpoint, Cully, that UNI offense, they can go as vertical as they want. They have two sort of scat backs, uh, if you will, at wide receiver. 
who are under six feet but very fast. And Isaiah Weston, if he's healthy, leads the nation in yards per completion. So they can go vertical. And where in the past they've had more running-type quarterbacks who threw on the run, this is more of a traditional pro-style drop-back passer in the Michigan State transfer day. So it's just a different philosophy offensively. But I think defensively that's what really sticks out to me and where their struggles come from. I don't think they're nearly as deep, nor do they try to be Mm -hmm. as deep, at some of the other top teams within this conference. Talking with Tyler Merriam, South Dakota State's play-by-play man, Northern Iowa, SDSU in the Valley, big game for UNI to keep their playoff hopes alive here in the season of 2021. I know SDSU's had a few injuries on the defensive side. Have I'm sure there's probably still some game-time decisions there. Is there any concern with what UNI does with their with their receiving core and Theo Day throwing it uh, to to have some concern over some of the guys that are missing right now? Oh, certainly there is. I mean, UNI is, is a very capable offensive team uh, when they get things rolling. And so with the Jacks being dinged up at a number of positions, and, and of course you have an all-conference cornerback in Don Gardner who will not play on Saturday. Uh, Logan Backus is a three-time team captain and an all-conference linebacker who will likely be a game-time decision on Saturday, whether or not he can go. Uh, there's multiple defensive ends that left the game at Western Illinois last Saturday with injuries, and we'll see here as we get closer to kickoff if they're able to go or not. There's definitely some concern about a, just the generic health of the defense, and then B, as you pointed out, when you have the speed that UNI does of not being able to keep up with that because of those injuries. So depth of SDSU defensively has helped them deal with some of these hits. But by the same token, I mean, that list of those who are injured is getting almost as long as that injured of those who are healthy. And while that's somewhat to be expected along the way, it's gotten a little ridiculous, and it certainly is cause for concern for John Stigelmeyer's staff. Well, I know back in the springtime when South Dakota State played in the national championship, sadly lost Mark Gronowski to a knee injury early in that game and still was ahead late where Sam Houston had to uh, make a score in the final 15, 20 seconds or so to come away with the victory. You, you went out and you found Chris Oladokun, who has played at South Florida. He's been at Samford. And, man, it seems, you know, for a quote-unquote one-off situation where Oladokun has one year, one fall in a football program, it's probably gone as good as you'd expect, Tyler, I would think, right? How has Chris Oladokun fit in so seamlessly over a short period of time in this offense? I would go one further, Cully. I would say it's better than anybody could have anticipated because the timing of this. I mean, you think back, that national championship game didn't happen in January, it happened in late May. And so all of a sudden you're sitting here in Memorial Day trying to see if you can get one more quarterback if you're the Jack or the coaching staff to balance out Keaton Heidi and Ola Dokin was going to go to Florida A&M. He watched the game on television and then gets a call a few days later. And, and within about a week's time, I think it was eight days from the initial call, he committed without having set foot on campus and then came up to campus and just slipped right into a leadership role, rallied everybody around him, impressed everybody with how he handled things. He's very well-spoken. He would like to be a broadcaster in the future, so I'm hoping he has a pro career so that I'm not out of a job this time next year. (laughs) But he is a guy who really has taken control of this team. They've rallied behind him. And he's a different guy than Gronowski. 
when the Jacks with Gronowski were rolling on offense, he was a run-first quarterback, and they threw when they needed to, and they were strategic about it. With Oladokun, he is more of a pass-first guy who can run if needed, but they want to throw the ball. They're more of a wide-open offensive attack in that regard. So it's a different attack, and the injury to Isaiah Davis, losing him as well at running back, has changed how the Jacks have gone about doing some things offensively. But Oladokun has really fit in very, very well. He has great poise about him. Uh, he made a couple of mistakes in that loss to Southern Illinois in overtime that really were surprising. He hasn't done that otherwise this year. If he plays like he's capable of and like he's shown the majority of the year, uh, the Jacks have turned it over among the fewest in all of the FCS, and he's a big part of that. Uh, he's just done a sensational job in settling in, and especially on short notice to do what he's done. It really is remarkable. No doubt. No doubt. He's been fantastic here this season, and it really has, has plugged the gap where – Gronowski should be back in uh, 2022. I know that was a, a big concern about how that was going to look, and it's turned out very, very well. Hey, uh, getting away from this game, and and I know mm-hmm. you've monitored everything going on around the world uh, of college athletics with realignment. Uh, it really feels like James Madison, who has, along with NDSU, SDSU, you know, those are blue bloods in the world of FCS college football Feels like they're moving on and uh, heading to either to the Sun Belt or Conference USA. We'll kind of wait and see how it shakes out. Give me your take on what's going on around the world of college athletics right now, college football in particular, how things are sliding around and some of that stuff trickling down to the top tier of the FCS right now, it feels. I would tell you if my head ever stopped spinning. You know, I'm trying to figure it all out. Uh, it really is crazy, and I think sometimes – and we're all guilty of this at times, aren't we, that we see somebody else has something, and we're not 100% sure that it's that much better, but we just get the sense of it and go, well, hey, wouldn't I like to have that? Can I have that? And we oftentimes lose track of where we're at and don't necessarily appreciate what we do have because we're constantly striving for more. And I think while there are some times that uh, if, if you're – not in a power five and get an offer to go to a power five. Uh, it's obviously hard to say no when you talk about some of the money involved and some of the opportunities there, but some of these other moves, and I can't speak for every school, but you almost feel like they're moving for the sense of moving yeah. and you just go, what, you know, what is the point? And I'm not, I don't know every scenario. So I'm not trying to speak for each individual situation. It just, sometimes it's, it's okay to stand firm. It's okay to be where you are. And some situations are the best situation you can be in. And so I think in some cases, uh, people are opportunistic. Schools are opportunistic. And I think in a lot of cases, people see others moving and don't want to be accused of being left behind. So they, they do something reactionary when they don't really necessarily need to. And so I think that's part of this, too. And there's a lot of things happening. And like you said, we're not through with this thing because it's the constant trickle-down effect. So somebody else is going to grab somebody that's going to lead to this, which is going to – and the game of Plinko is just going to continue, and we're going to filter all the way down. And So who knows where this thing ends, but uh, we're nowhere near the end of it, I don't think. Tyler, great stuff as always, my friend. Looking forward to uh, following along on Saturday. Should be a great football game on Hobo Day and uh, Hobo Weekend. Is that right? Did I do that right? Hobo Day and Hobo Week is what we call it. So I guess it would be Hobo Weekend. All right. That would technically be correct. All right. uh, You know, we'll, we'll work with you on that. Yeah, I'll take one for two there. That's okay. That works. Have a good one this weekend. Should be a fun game, Tyler. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Cully. Take care, my man. Hi, Tyler Merriam. Good stuff there. Breaking it down. South Dakota State, Northern Iowa. Big matchup for 
the Panthers to keep their season moving in the right direction at one of the great venues, one of the great football facilities in the FCS, Dana J. Dykow Stadium. Hey, basketball's back. It's time to make it rain to celebrate the NBA season launch. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering listeners of the FCS Fever podcast an exciting promotion right now. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new customers a chance to win $200 in free bets if they bet $5 on any team, and that team wins. All they have to do is win, not cover, just win outright. To take advantage of the promo, click the link in our show description. Make your first deposit, make a $5 money line bet on any team, and if your team wins, you get an automatic $200 thanks to our friends at DraftKings. It's the best offer going, so act now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, or referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call, text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 21 and older, 18 and older in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, a few other games we're highlighting. Some teams that are on life support and they need some adrenaline shot their way in an absolute hurry. I mean, right now. They got to get it done. They got to they got to make it happen. Jacksonville State. This is probably about it for the Gamecocks. We have talked about this team. They've got a Florida State win, but their season hangs in the balance as they travel to Sam Houston. Look, it's a big game for the Bearcats as well. They want a top 2 seed. Some people feel like they need style points to hold on to a top 2 seed. I'm not one of those guys. I think if they win, it's good enough, and uh, I think they will win. I think Sam Houston will take care of business. It's it's going to be an interesting offseason at Jacksonville State for John Gross and this staff. If they do not make the playoffs, if they don't win this game, there is already some grumblings going on around that fan base with what uh, what's happened with this football program over the years and this season as well. Uh, could be some questions to be answered down uh, with this Jacksonville State football program. Weber State, some say that it doesn't matter if they win this one. I think it does. Until the season's over, you keep playing, you keep making it happen. If Weber State can somehow, some way, slow down Eric Barrier in this Eastern Washington offensive attack, folks, they're averaging over 50 points a game. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. It's video game stuff right now. And Barrier is the Walter Payton Award winner, as I said earlier in the week. No no need to keep that uh, conversation going. But Weber State, look, I firmly believe they run the table. They win at Eastern Washington. They would finish 7-4. and four. Their strength of schedule is very, very tough. Uh, right near the top, if not the top in the country right now in the FCS with who they've played so far. Unfortunately, they haven't won any of those games. Could start this weekend on the red turf. It's a mighty, mighty ask, um, and I don't think it's going to happen So Weber State, a chance, not a good one to keep this thing moving in the right direction. So some teams on life support, I don't know if I see any of them winning, but as we've talked about before, 
That's why we play the games. Jacksonville State, also all are on the road. Jacksonville State's at Sam Houston. You and I at uh, South Dakota State and also Weber State at Eastern Washington. couple games out east in the CAA. This one's lost a little luster. Rhode Island took Bob Kraft's private jet, the Patriots jet, down to Towson and then got drilled by three touchdowns. They might just make them bust next time. That option is uh, is popped up. They're at unbeaten Villanova in the CAA. Unbeaten in the CAA, I should mention. This game's lost a little bit of luster. Villanova had a bit of a hangover after their win against James Madison. They only won a Albany 17-10. Uh, Rhode Island is at Villanova. A chance for Villanova to continue to distance themselves from the rest of the pack. Rhode Island, a one-loss team uh, in CAA play. And then JMU going out to Delaware. Well, all these distractions about moving to the FBS cause problems for James Madison. Delaware is a mass unit, folks, right now. Their quarterback room is banged up. It's beat up. There's even some talk of using a Wildcat quarterback. And their top defensive player, Colby Reeder, who's been banged up during his career. His brother, Troy, is a linebacker, starting linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams. Colby's out for the rest of the year with a rib injury. Hate to see it. But that's another key piece missing from Delaware. A lot of things would go wrong, would have to go wrong for JMU, I feel like, to lose this game. Uh, Delaware, a proud, proud program. Hey, some some out there, when talking about James Madison moving to the FBS, some have mentioned, why not Delaware? Maybe another program to keep an eye on and realignment that uh, has talked about it. Don't know if they're all the way there yet, but take a look at Kevin Tresolini's article as he outlines why Delaware should be looking at the possibility of moving from the FCS to the FBS. And then another one here in the Valley. You have a great offense versus a dominant defense. Bobby Petrino's Missouri State Bears. They flipped the script in Springfield. They have gotten it going. Top 20 ranked team would be big for Missouri State to come to the Fargo Dome and get a win. It's like a unicorn in the world of college football when that happens. Uh, They're going to do whatever they can. Jason Shelley, their quarterback, Nine FBS starts under his belt. He's had a great season so far. Six games in a row to start. 200-plus yards passing in each of those games. Never happened before in the history of Missouri State football. A lot easier said than done. The NDSU defense is dominant, only allowing 7.2 points per game, the best in the FCS. Some team in Athens, Georgia, is the only one in Division I college football that's any better. And the Bison have only allowed 43 total points in the first six games of the season. That's the best since a national championship team in the D2 days back in 1986 allowed 30 over a six-game span. That team went on to win a national championship as well. So a big one in the Valley, Missouri State at NDSU. couple other fun games out east. We mentioned earlier this week in the NEC, separator-type game for Duquesne. The Dukes on top in that league right now, a one big league, but a chance to see how Malik Grant matches up against the top team in the league. He has stepped in and filled in more than admirably for Julius Chestnut, who's gone down with injury. Grant leads the way in the country with 853 rushing yards. And Harvard at Princeton, at Princeton Stadium, two 5-0 teams in the Ivy League. Be a fun one to see the scoreboard at the end of that 60 minutes of play between two historical programs and two 5-0 teams in the Ivy League here in 2021. All right, some chatter out of the HBCUs. Coach Prime, Jackson State's head man, Deion Sanders. They're on a path to the Celebration Bowl played at the end of the season in Atlanta 
It's a big deal for the HBCUs. It's a big payday, seven-figure payday for these schools from ESPN. It's a big profile game. It's a packed house. It's, it's what it's all about right now for the HBCUs. But Deion Sanders made mention about the future of the SWAC and something bigger out there competing in the playoff and in the bracket for an FCS national championship and also made a slight mention of some conversation going on behind the scenes where possibly the SWAC and the MEAC would be included uh, in the uh, the bracket down the road. And then I saw something earlier this morning, earlier this week as well, Florida A&M. If they are a 9-2 and football team at the end of the year, out of the mix for the Celebration Bowl, Florida A&M would love to be considered as an at-large bid for the FCS college football playoff bracket. You have to go back to 2016 where North Carolina Central was an at-large bid from the MEAC in the FCS playoff bracket. An HBCU team can be considered for an at-large bid if the committee feels like they have a better resume than some of the others that are in some of uh, the uh, conferences, power conferences, and other leagues that uh, play for the bracket as their first source of postseason uh, glory every year. So something to follow as there's been chatter and discussion about the playoff bracket expanding would seem to make sense if you have more automatic bids going out to the SWAC, to the MEAC, to some of these other leagues starting up. I, for one, think 24 is fine. We're good with where they, we are at and would love to see a little bit of a recalibration of the bracket. Seated out 1 through 24. Don't worry about geography or regionalization. Uh, make it happen like a true bracket is supposed to be made. All right, that's going to do it for us. It's been a lot of fun this week, and we'll be a blast. Always surprises, always some upsets. Which team whose season is on the line, on oxygen support, close to flatlining, will get that shot of adrenaline to push their hopes for postseason play and momentum in the right direction. You've been locked into the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. You know how it works, folks. Subscribe, like, comment. Love to hear from you. We appreciate you. And enjoy the weekend of FCS College Football. Have a good one. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.